0: Well, I was like five minutes in and I realized I was not recording. This episode of the QA is brought to you by Lucky Shot. It is the end of the month, which means it is time for the QA. Thank you guys very much for spending a few minutes of your day checking out this episode of the QA. The QA is the show where I answer your questions. My name is Dave Tim from Guns and Tactics. Check us out online, social media, www.gunsandtactics.com. We do news, articles, how-tos, a resource for all of our videos, stuff like that, so it's a great resource. I like to check it out daily, but I'm a little biased. The QA, you want to see your question on the show, best way is to email us. That email address is theqa.gunsandtactics.com, I'm putting it at the bottom of your screen right now, it's also in the description below, but that's the best way to get your question on the show. You can certainly leave a comment in the comment section below, make sure you put a question mark because actually we can filter and search for questions, things like that a little bit easier but the best way is to email us. So I really, really do appreciate that. Uh, Little quick updates here real quick. Number one, I do wanna give a shout out to anybody who's watching this in Ukraine or maybe have loved ones in Ukraine. I was looking at our analytics on YouTube, and believe it or not, we have a very, very small percentage of viewers that have been over in that area over the past, you know how many videos, within the last year is what I think I was looking at. We did have a few viewers from Ukraine, which was kind of crazy to think about. Uh, but there's a lot of crazy things going on right now, and obviously we're seeing clips on social media that's probably more realistic and honest and true than what we're seeing on the real media. And... You know, all of us here at the Guns and Tactics team are thinking about you, Ukraine. We're seeing tremendous accounts of bravery. We're seeing regular people assembling blockades, bombing, you know, things. Uh, It's just kind of nuts to see. Uh, We're seeing, you know, true heroes and bravery. You know, some of your leaders who are celebrities in your society are are fighting with their armed forces, are fighting with the people. The government is handing out 10,000 rifles to the citizens. So... Obviously, there's a lot of people that are vested in this, and you know we're seeing a lot of tremendous courage and bravery over there. So we are thinking of you, Ukraine. Uh, obviously, if anybody here is watching who has loved ones over there, we are thinking of them, and hopefully uh, things can resolve sooner than later, but I have a feeling this is going to be the start to something that we will be talking about again. That being said, on a more positive note, I did change the look of the channel just a little bit. I don't know if you guys have noticed in maybe the last few videos or not that I kind of look a little different. Some of you have asked, have I lost weight? Well, not really, but I'm trying. Uh, But the reality is I did change cameras. So my main camera, we call it the A-roll in the business, not A-hole, A-roll, because it used to be rolls of film. I know what you're thinking. I didn't swear, I promise. But anyways, the A-cam is a newer camera and I do like the look. I love the color of it, I like the compression, the depth of field, which is like the blurred background, and I just think it's a much richer look. So it was uh, a chunk of change, it was an investment, but I'm willing to put that back in the channel because I want to improve the quality. I'm hoping to also improve some of my lights, they are getting a little dated. Uh, Trevor, you've been here since day one, like literally day one when we put these lights up and we used to have light stands and all sorts of stuff around. Uh, The lights have been the constant since, so they are going on old. Just really, really old. I was trying to remember what year, maybe 13, 14 or whatever. Uh, They're old fluorescents and I've had to replace bulbs and stuff, but it's definitely time for some new light. So I'm probably gonna be upgrading to LEDs and maybe kind of changing the look just a little bit. It'll still be well lit. I'm very, very um, much focused on attention to detail. I want those well lit shots. That's why I picked the gray work surface here so it reflects well and it can show highlights well of detail things, especially like dark objects like guns and stuff like that. So don't worry, I am definitely going to uh, not worry about that. But I do want to update things and I keep investing. Now, where I need your help, the loyal viewers, and I, I know we have I've been rambling on without answering a single question yet, but we are starting a Patreon account. I will put a link in the description below. Right now, the only two levers are a buck or two, literally a buck or two. One buck, one dollar, or two, two dollars. And those are basically our tip jar, if you will. If you think you can spare a buck or two a month, go ahead and sign up for Patreon. Maybe you already are on there because you support other channels. And If you can give us a buck or two every month, that would be awesome. Now, if all 72,000 of our subscribers gave me a buck a month, that would be legit. I would hire a whole team of editors and camera people and we would be like beyond full time, you know? Because we'd be making some pretty good dough and I'd be willing to reinvest a lot of money into the channel, but we're not there yet. Uh, even if a thousand people did it, that would be a huge help. So uh, right now if you can spare a buck or two I really appreciate it. My question to you though is as we expand the patreon levels What do you guys want to see? What would you find interesting? Maybe a $5 level a $10 level or if you have deep pockets like a $25 or $50 level But what type of perks would you like to see at those different levels? Now I realize a lot of people are just like hey what they're you know comfortable with give they can support whatever However, what I'm wondering, would you like to see certain giveaways? Would you like to see, you know, swag, um, more questions, maybe a private Patreon-only live QA or something like that? Or if we can get, you know, enough levels up there, maybe we have like an annual get-together coordinated with one of the big events, something like that, whether that be a fun shoot, whether that be like a training class, uh, some sort of an event. And I do have a couple industry partners where I think we could host something like that, but obviously there'd be travel involved. But... I would totally be willing to do that. Or maybe we just do some more giveaways or whatever. But please leave me your comments on what you think of the Patreon thing. I'll put a link in the description below. But we really would appreciate your support. All right, comment section. Let's do some questions from there. This one is from John. John uh, started out with by giving me a nice compliment. Your reviews are good and honest. I like those. Those honest reviews help. Uh, I do appreciate it, man. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for making good content. Awesome. All right. Are there any preferred single can paints that work pretty well on metal gun parts. If something slides and moves, the special two-part baking are needed. Uh, But if I can cut down a steel part, can I paint it with engine enamel that requires baking or air drying? I just want something reliable. Honestly, right now, my two favorite, you know, just single-can products are Brownells Alumahide 2. Comes in a variety of colors. It can be a little finicky to work with. And Airvo camouflage paints. Those are a flat variety of colors. My sniper rifle, I'm rolling, rolling in some B-roll here. I actually painted the barrel in their uh, drab color. I had the action coated previously, but then I got that gun rebarreled, and I didn't have time to send it to Cerakote, so I did some of this can finish and I was shocked at how well the colors looked and how well that finish has been holding up. It took a while to cure, but it cured really, really hard and durable. Same thing with the Alumahide. It takes a long time to cure, like a week or something like that, but once it does, it's a very hard, durable spray can. Probably the two best single part sprays I have seen, and they're fairly resistant to like solvents, to nature alcohol, cleaning solvents, stuff like that. They hold up really well. Prep is the key if you can blast it or rough it up really good, but those two have held up really, really well. Obviously, like you said, if anything slides or moves, Cerakote or metal finishing or processes would be much better. What do you look for when mounting optics on an AR-15 in terms of height and how far back? Each person is different. Uh, if it was had to be a pool gun, like for patrol officers or different people at a range, what optic mounting options would help to make the AR more generic? It may not be the best for everyone, but good enough for all. So I've had to issue uh, department pool guns before where they've been used by multiple people and those were primarily with a red dot. And basically what we would do is we would put them slightly forward of center on the receiver, and then that would allow people to adjust the stock. Now, a red dot has very forgiving eye relief, so I didn't really worry as much about that. When I did start to get the guns with magnified optics, I would start to issue those to individuals. And thankfully, the department that I work for, we issue rifles and we issue handguns. So everybody has their own rifle and their own handgun, and it's set up to them, which is absolutely, in my opinion, the way to go. However, not everybody has that luxury. So try to find what is a sweet spot for everybody and adjustable you know, stocks and things like that can certainly help. Now, what I look for is obviously what is natural and comfortable. So for me, I'm starting to find my red dots up that higher, that 17 or 193 mount, especially as I'm starting to use night vision a little bit more. It clears for lasers, stuff like that. Plus when I do have that night vision device, it's a little more upright. and I don't have to kind of cram up against the stock. The only downside is is when you're shooting prone, it's a little bit more uncomfortable to try to get your head up a little bit higher. But realis- realistically, how often are we shooting prone? But that being said, I'm more likely to probably shoot prone or supported or something like that with a magnified optic. So for the magnified optics, I generally like the traditional 1-5 height or 17 height, uh, like my LPVOs, one to fours, one to sixes, one to eights, one to tens. And believe me, guys, I have some cool reviews coming up I have. A hot new one to ten that's on the market i believe i'm going to be one of the first to get a video out on that it should be hopefully in the next few weeks but it looks really really nice and i'm not talking about the vortex and i do have a new one to six uh hopefully inbound i don't have an eta on that yet but it's from a well it's from LoopHole. their new patrol six Uh, HD looks really really sharp so I do believe I have a sample in route for that which I'm really looking forward to check that out because I think there's still a great spot for a 1 to 6 not everybody needs a 1 to 10 but uh, those are two optics I'm really excited about getting some content out for you guys but I'm looking forward to that but anyways eye relief proper height uh, you know generally those are the things I'm gonna be looking for as far as height and uh, offset or how far it is away from my eyes that eye relief and what everything kind of lines up so i'd set up my stock my furniture everything like that and then basically have my eyes closed i bring the gun up open my eyes and the optics should be right there if not i can make adjustments all right dave this is from bitgeeker curious about your workbench who makes that uh i don't know if you're talking about this one or that one but i did comment that back there the shelving that you can kind of see is uh from menards it used to be called gorilla rack or gorilla shelving now it's called extreme garage but basically i painted it it comes in like this weird tan color And then uh, I cut half of the upright on that side to make a support. Now the support that you're seeing back there is actually a solid core door. I went to my local habitat store and they had these uh, huge solid core doors that were like two and a half inches thick of solid wood for five bucks a piece. So I put some laminate on the top. And again, I like the light gray because it works well for video work. It also works well if I have parts roll around or whatever. Uh, And then basically made a top. Now this island here, it's actually an island. The whole thing moves back and forth. The cameras are attached to it. When I do a behind the scenes tour, when I hit hundred thousand subscribers, we're gonna do a behind the scenes tour. So that's your little motivation. Uh, I'll kind of show you guys a little bit more, but I have storage underneath. I have a vice over here. I have my precision rifle vice over here. Those yeah, you've seen me use those in other videos. But what's nice is uh, I can move this all around the shop. So when I need to do bigger projects and stuff like that, I can just move it where I need to. So it's really, really slick. And I built this with a two by six sandwiched together. So like four by six legs and then two by four frames. And uh, it's beefy. I overbuilt it, but this thing is awesome. Like out of all the things that I have built, I really hope my grandkids get this thing because I like it a lot. So I'll do maybe some more content on that. Like I said, with uh, when it comes to, you know time for a behind-the-scenes tour what is my favorite handgun speed loader AR speed loader or do they not make sense or dry lube for SMG mags uh, generally dry lube for SMG mags I'm gonna do something like Ezox and I'm just gonna use that as a surface protectant I'm not really looking at it for a lube uh, however for loaders uh, the up Lula is what I think they're called I had one around here I'll put a link down in the description below. Uh, I generally use those. However, most of the time I'm at the range, I just grab a handful of ammo and I just start. My thumbs have calluses on them from loading so many mags, but for a lot of people, Those uh, Uplulas work really, really well. Now, I would like to get one of those fancy bench ones where you stick your mag in, you have the big, you know, hopper of ammo and it just like push a button. They're like four or five hundred bucks, but I'm probably going to bite the bullet and check those out, but I've heard mixed reviews, so maybe I'll see if i can do get one and do a review on it, see if they're worth it, but I think it'd be just awesome for me to plug in a mag hit the go button and be done. That would be great. All right, what do you recommend for Magpul or Lancer Magazine's couplers to work? The cartridge on the spare side always moves forward, technically the recoil. Yep, I've been there. I just stopped using couplers because anytime you had that, that round would start to creep forward. So in training, when we used couplers, I would teach people before they did their mag swap is to clear that round, either push it back or flick it off, and then do your swap. But it was just pretty much an, a constant you know um, i tried like coming up with ways to like come in and rock it in or whatever but then sometimes it would pop out and obviously that was problematic depending on the type of reload you're doing so it was just kind of one of those pains in the ass uh, i did experiment a little bit with using a magpul PMAg on the opposite side and then keeping the dust cover on but then that was an extra step because by the time you wanted to do that you'd have to flip the dust cover off and then do your swap so there was no free lunch and ultimately uh, we just stopped using the couplers. So that was that. My name is Matt, and I work in a small department in Kansas City. Hey, you should send me a shoulder patch, by the way, just saying I have a special section that you can't see on camera where I do have all of my students and viewers who compliment me enough by giving me one of their shoulder patches or a department coin or something like that. That stuff does mean a lot to me. But like you said in an episode, you conduct training, uh, 88 Tactical. If so, how's it been received? Uh, like I said, I emailed you a little bit more in detail. Uh, I'm biased, okay, so everybody watching this should be critical because consider the source, okay? So of course I'm gonna tell you like, yes, my training is great, but here's what I will tell you. Don't be afraid to reach out to any training company, the instructor or whatever, and pick their brain a little bit. If they have any you know, references or resources or can cite you with previous places that have hosted you or whatever, and those are all questions that I'm prepared to answer. I'm not gonna get into it here because I'm not really pushing that hat here, but I will say, Don't be afraid to invest and ask, hey, how did you develop this course? What are the important takeaways from the course? What are the goals that you try to deliver every course for the student? Those are all things that uh, I did email, but I'm really proud of the course I developed. I put a lot of effort. I saw a lot of other courses and believe me, there was a lot of things that a lot of people are doing really well. There were some things that I thought I could really fit well because they weren't being covered, not necessarily because they were lacking or missing or whatever. Everyone likes to always put these negatives, but just everybody plays their strengths a little bit. And I was playing my strengths with areas that I felt where I could be a strength player. So I inserted some of that stuff. I am really, really big on, I have this term called instructor craft. And it's in my philosophy of anybody who wants to be a trainer or an instructor, you should master this instructor craft. And you can, I'm quoting it here. I should patent it or trademark it is what I really should do. But that is kind of my terminology for your development. And I get into a lot of that and understanding the why understanding what is going on and how it's working. But then we understand the why so I can better tra- uh, share that knowledge to the student. So my goals for the student, leave a better shooter, leave with a more intimate understanding of what the dot is doing and then ultimately have a better understanding of the why so you're able to develop your own training, your own curriculum, your own content, and deliver that to your students. So hope that answers that question and anybody else. Gonna be ordering a Staccato P next week. This one's from R&M. Awesome, good to hear, man. I'm a big Staccato fan. I really like having rear dot sights. I used to be a master template maker. Could I drill a small indent and then use some fluorescent green paint? Yes, you could. If you have like a center drill, that's what I would personally use is uh, you know, if you can take that sight out put it in the mill and you can locate and then use a center drill. For those of you guys that don't know, a center drill is a short stubby drill. It doesn't walk or wander very much because it's so short and stubby. Then it has a taper to a very fine point. Uh, And they're used commonly in metalworking or machining, things like that. But I would use that, uh, or you could use like an end mill as well, I suppose you could use a small end mill. And then you could put in some, uh, you know, like fluorescent enamel, or you could even consider uh, some lure paint. Some of that stuff is really, really durable. And it's super fluorescent, so you can put a little bit of that lure paint in there, and then either heat it up or uh, you know get the air drying stuff. But that would be kind of cool. But yeah, you can certainly do that. Now, if you're going to use an optic, personally for me, I just like plain black sights. But hey, rock on, man. Otherwise, Dawson Precision does sell different sights out there as well, fiber optic stuff like that. So don't be afraid to look that up. All right, before we answer the rest of our questions, let's go ahead and give a shout out to our sponsor, Lucky Shot. Mm. The beverage just tastes better out of a Lucky Shot glass. Now, I'm filming this after the kids have gone to bed, so I'm enjoying a little Irish cream in my Lucky Shot glass. You might be thinking Bailey's. Well, let me tell you, don't tell hashtag not sponsored, but it's actually Kirkland from, you know, The Big Co. I like this stuff better. It's way cheaper. I did a blind taste test. Surprisingly, everybody in the family, we all picked Kirkland. Crazy. Anyways, back to the show. Lucky Shot. They make some really cool glassware and gift items for yourself or for the firearms enthusiast in your life. Maybe it's a veteran. Maybe it's someone who is just a firearms enthusiast. Maybe it's someone who just likes cool stuff. That's unique and bound to start a conversation. Check out the webpage. They have all sorts of cool stuff available from Lucky shot. And if you use the coupon code shown on the screen, you save a little bit of money and it helps the channel out as well. So it's a win win for both of us. You save money, helps us out and you can get some cool, cool stuff. Lucky Shot USA, thank you very much for sponsoring this episode of the QA. All right, right back to it. This one is from Jason. Dave, I stumbled across your videos and I'm a brand new handgun shooter. I purchased my very first handgun. Awesome, good for you, but you didn't tell me which one. Um, let me know which one. And I'm not going to lie, I'm a little nervous what are some recommendations for a brand new handgun owner who is taking more of an interest into protecting his family? Any advice for a noob like me would be appreciated. Well, first things first, man, uh, I want to do some more content kind of on, you know, new handgun basics 101. Now I realize a lot of people who are watching this, that may not appeal to them, but there are like 5.4 million new gun owners in the last year. And I just want to make content for them to help them out and welcome them into our community, just like you, Jason. So I do appreciate that. Number one, don't be afraid to get good quality training. If you can find some local shooting clubs or ranges and do a little bit of diligence, kind of like when I was alluding to before, don't be afraid to reach out to the instructor. And now here's the day, the litmus test. If they sound like a D-bag, they might be, okay? If they're telling you about all this cool stuff, how they were an operator who operated operationally in operations as an operator, uh, I don't know. I like to do without the ego, but there might be some really great local instructors who'd be more than happy to give you a hand, show you some of the basics, get you started. Uh, don't be afraid to look for an intro course. I know everybody says, oh, I don't need intro. I'm, I'm advanced. Yeah. Okay. Do you know how many people I had show up to my fundamentals course who were thinking, yeah, I'm just here because I had nothing else better to do, or I'm here because my buddy had nothing, blah, blah, blah. And they couldn't hit the target very well at all past 10 yards. So don't be afraid to go to an intro course or a fundamental course, and don't be afraid to just ask questions. You can email me You can email other instructors or whatever, but don't be afraid to ask. Everybody was new. There's no dumb questions, man. Don't be afraid. Uh, Local gun club, local shooting ranges, look for maybe a competition, like a local club level match, and just show up and just be like, hey, I'm a brand new handgun owner. Somebody will take you under their wing. They'll loan you whatever gear you don't have, if you are low on mags or whatever it might be, and they'll walk you through it. And that's a great way for you to get some different experience with your gun. You're gonna practice manipulation, you're gonna practice loads. You're gonna do a lot of great stuff with that gun and get more familiar with your equipment, which is always a good thing. So that's a great question. All right, this next one is from Kevin. Now Kevin, you should probably be at your own Patreon level here, I'm just kidding, but uh, all jokes aside, Kevin, you sent in 26 questions this month. That is a new record, I believe, 26. So I'm not gonna be able to answer them all, but I will pick a couple here just at random. what refinishing processes are allowed for a previous nitro uh, slide after RMR milling or similar? Now, it depends. You could do a spot touch up where they just basically mask it off, do a quick blast, and they can use some air dry uh, or you know even some uh, chemical process or whatever. That does work in a bind. Easy, okay, that's what a lot of shops will do. You could send it out to get recoated, but then they have to redo the whole slide. Uh, then you had another question in here, was it best to get a slide that's uh, in the white, which basically means no finish if you know you're gonna be doing some machining? Absolutely, if you know you're gonna be doing milling or serrations or anything like that, uh, I would get it plain if you could and then send it out at the very end for you know process uh, of your choice. What is causing PVD processes finishes to fail so often on handgun slides? Uh, PVD is particle vapor deposition, uh, particle vapor Disposition, something like that. It's off the top of my head, I can't remember. See, I don't have a script, guys. I don't tell a prompter this crap. This is all from here, so that's why sometimes it's a little off the cuff. Uh, why does it fail so often? Uh, any coating fails often because of crappy prep work. I've seen Cerakote, Nitro, um, Nitride, excuse me, uh, PVD, uh, Hard Chrome, you know, bluing. I've seen all of it fail because of crappy prep work. Everything comes down to prep work. That's just the they're short of it, is that so many people sadly will cut corners and that's where issues will happen with, like I said, just about anything, whether that's machining, whether that's coating, whether that's assembly, whatever, it's just a lack of prep work oftentimes. Uh, Kevin, I'm gonna try to throw in a couple other ones here. I do appreciate all the questions, I really do. Uh, this one I did like. What are your top improvements you would make to the Gen 6 Glock pistols? Handguns have come a long way since the early 80s. What features would be part of the part uh, Gen 6? True story, I did have a Gen 1 Glock, and for a while it was my holy grail. I just really, really was a huge Glock fan, still am, but I found that this gun just sat and uh, I didn't appreciate it as much, so I did sell it to a collector and I was really happy to see it go to a good home. I made a little bit of money, uh, but it was, just, it, it, was, it was a good thing that he is gonna appreciate it far more than I am right now. But to see where they are at Gen 1 to where they are now at Gen 5, like the fifth generation of perfection, But here's what I would love to see with a Gen 6. Number one, all of them will be MOS. Whether it's the 26, whether it's the 45 or whatever, the 10 mils, whatever, everything will be optic ready. Now, do I think there is a better system? Yes, but do I think Glock is gonna go away from the MOS? No, but all of them should be an MOS. All of them should also have front serrations, period. That's just the way it should be. Everything should have front serrations. Now, as far as the frames go, I would love to see a smaller, more reduced frame. I still, you know, there's still something about a grip reduction Glock that does feel really good. So they already did a great thing with the Gen 5 of getting rid of the finger grooves, uh, but I think just maybe curving it up just a little bit, maintaining that angle so you still have the mag compatibility, but if you could reduce it a little bit and then, add, you know, the, instead of the panels just on the back, it would almost kind of add a 360. Now, call me crazy, call me crazy but what i think would be really cool is if they came out with a gen 6 smooth edition with no texturing on the grip whatsoever just smooth as a baby's bottom as they say why would anybody want that well number one they could sell grip tape or rubber tape or whatever that could be contoured to that so if you want to buy skateboard tape rubberized tape or whatever it would stick really really well to that smooth grip it would also then give the stipplers something to work with. I know, I know, Glock doesn't wanna, you know, have people modifying their gun with a soldering pencil. So that's why I'm saying that they could do the grip tape, rubber tape idea, but it would give the stipplers something to really, really enjoy as well. Uh, Other things I would change is I would undercut the trigger guard a little bit more. I would like to see that a little bit higher, a little bit more radius, a little bit more forward of a cut. Uh, As far as the rail, uh, you asked about like Picatinny versus the Glock rail. And another one of your questions, I really don't have a problem with the Glock rail. It works, uh, you know, but if they switch to a 1913, great, that would be just fine. But there's so many light companies that make Glock compatible lights that I don't see them switching. So, And that's obviously uh, pretty low on my list. I would like to see some grip enhancements, some slide enhancements. Recoil spring, uh, I think we could do a little bit with the recoil spring still, a little bit. We've made a lot of progress with the Gen 4. Now the Gen 5 trigger, uh, I thought the Gen 5 was a nice upgrade. If they can improve the trigger press just a little bit more on the Gen 6, a factory flat face trigger would be awesome. Like seriously Glock, a factory flat face trigger that actually breaks at the 90, make it happen. Please, please, please make it happen. And uh, obviously maybe a little bit more of a beaver tail, kind of like almost like what the 43 brought. It has a little bit more of a beaver tail than the traditional one, so I'd like to see that. So those are some of the things just off the top of my head. Uh, some other questions that you uh, brought. What things can be done to properly explain firearms recoil and the proper methods to address recoil to students in a factually correct manner? And then um, you kind of shared about you know using a vector calculus and all this other stuff. but. Uh, Yes, I realize a lot of instructors probably spew things, but the reality is we have to overcome energy. And recoil is the result of the energy of the round and that energy doing something. Now, if it's a bolt action gun, that energy is just pushing the gun back. If it's a semi-automatic gun, it's obviously moving the slide. If it's a semi-automatic rifle, it's moving the action, things like that. So we talk about, at least I talk about, what that energy is doing and what it wants to do. It's kind of like water. It takes the path of least resistance in a way. But then building up your proper fundamentals. So I teach my fundamentals that present, aim, deliver, okay? I realize there's the traditional stance, grip, sight, picture, sight, alignment, breathing, trigger, press, follow through. Everybody knows all those, but I teach them just a little bit different with that present, aim, and deliver. And I break it down much more in detail in my classes that it basically encompasses those things. But talk about those things that can really give us that recoil management. Uh, I did get a lot of comments on one of my previous videos when I was shooting my three gun AR, which I was just, you know, it's a flat shooting powder puff gun. But a lot of people are asking like, how did you manage that recoil? So I'm gonna do another video and I also think That would help because everybody always wants to know like how do you shoot your rifle flat or how do you shoot faster so i'll do what i've learned uh and then maybe uh you know i don't know hopefully maybe i can compete with mojo a little bit i'll get my timer but that dude's wicked fast i don't think i can he's he's actually a really really good dude i've met him a few times at TriggerCon. he's just a super awesome dude Uh, but anyways uh so that is that so i do appreciate that Uh, this question is from art art Uh, The monthly QA is the most underrated and most important video content. Well, heck yeah, Art. That's what I like to think too. Just kidding. Getting a little, little too many of these. All right. So I've been running my eleven and a half inch arrow for several years, and I've been super satisfied. But recently, had a bolt gas key come loose, despite good staking. Don't be afraid to restake and red thread lock. Uh, It did have a video on gas key replacement. I will put a card up there. I can't remember if it's on the old channel or on this channel, But gas key replacement. And uh, if not, I will re-update that, but definitely check that out. I could probably get better about my cleaning. No, cleaning's overrated, man. I don't like to clean guns either. I'd rather not spend 800 on a new upper, but I just don't know if $250 worth of parts for a piston conversion kit is worth it. So here's the thing, back in the day, I would have said I'm kind of over pistons. Now those that know me and have known me for a while, know that I actually worked for a piston rifle company. I not only drank the Kool-Aid, but I shared the Kool-Aid to the piston gun. Then that piston started to have its issues and I kind of fell out of love with the piston and went back to DI. Uh, Just because I saw value, you know, they were more expensive, proprietary parts. If that company went out of business, for example, you'd have to, you know, get these proprietary parts. Uh, Could you go into any gun store and get these proprietary parts in case you lost one or one got damaged or anything like that? There was weight and there was wear issues, things like that. Now, there were some benefits that I still will argue. Piston guns rock. Short barrel rifles, suppressed, suppressed short guns all do really well with a piston gun. Obviously, there are reliable piston guns. HK, LMT, Barrett, you know, so there are some really, really good. The other one that I really want to check out, um, LWRC is another good one. But I am going to probably check out a long-stroke piston system from Primary Weapons Systems. Now, I was using short-stroke before. There is a difference. So I'm actually looking forward to checking out a piston gun again. I'm probably going to get something with a shorter barrel that I'll run suppressed, uh, just so I think that's where you can really kind of get a feel for the gun, how much gas you're getting in the face, how reliable is it when you add a suppressor, things like that. So not going to lie. I'm actually kind of looking forward to checking one out. However, here's what I would say. If you're going to go piston, go all in and get a complete piston gun. Uh, I, I would be very skeptical of doing a kit, just because you're trying to retro fit stuff and not everything might go together. And then with a kit, generally most of the kits are short stroke, which basically means that the piston only moves a short distance before it you know, cycles the carrier. Whereas a long stroke moves with the whole time, which I do think is less wear and less impact because basically we're hitting this and it's going back. Uh, so just a little food for thought, uh, but I would say if you're going to do a piston go all-in Primary weapon systems. I've been hearing really good things about from some people I trust So I think I'm going to check one out for myself uh, That I believe will do it for all of the questions. Yeah, I think that is all of them, which is great We had a, a wonderful month. I always really do appreciate you guys sending in sending in your stuff I Do give away a prize again. Thanks to lucky Shot for supplying the prize You guys, again, check out the webpage, use the coupon code to save yourself a little bit of money. I'm gonna put the rules up if you have won previously or if you're not gonna follow the rules. Come on, man, seriously, it's a free show. So check out those rules. We do give away a prize. We are sincerely thankful. Random number generator, our random number is number seven, if you guys can see that. Number seven, I believe, was our last question which was Art. So Art, we're gonna be getting in touch with you and giving you a prize from Lucky Shot. That's gonna do it for this episode, guys. Again, I really do appreciate you watching. Remember those questions I asked you in the beginning? If you're still here, please leave a comment. Let me know what you think. I would love to hear from you. As always, if you have any show ideas or suggestions, go ahead and send those in or leave a comment as well. I'm gonna start making a running list and as it starts to get a little bit nicer, we're gonna be doing more range content, stuff like that. And I wanna get more episodes that you guys want to see. Again, if you want to see your question on the show, the email address is qa@gunsandtactics.com. You can also leave a comment down below, but that email address does work out best. If you guys have liked the content, please like, share, and subscribe. Hit that thumbs up button. Hit the subscribe notification. It really does mean a lot to us. It helps the algorithms push our content out. And please tell your friends about the channel so that they can like, share, and subscribe as well. Thank you guys very much for watching, and have a great day.